0: in the house, let me let me see bite, let me see You know what we about? in the Dogs in the in the house, dogs in the house, in the house, dogs in the
1: house. Hello and welcome to all we hear is purple the third or fourth most mediocre husky football ca- podcast on the internet. I am Andrew Berg, your host. We're the official podcast of the Cody Pickett Fan Club. Remember to subscribe, rate, review our podcast anywhere podcasts are subscribed, rated, and reviewed. Uh, Back this week again to talk about the Las Vegas Bowl and the off-season upcoming is Rob Fox Curran. Rob, welcome. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Andrew. Good to be back. You're going to have to excuse us if we seem a little distracted because I will admit we're recording this during the prestigious AutoZone Bowl um, or no, not the AutoZone Bowl, Quick Lane Bowl. It's one of those um, auto-themed bowls. So if you, if you hear us kind of losing our, our place, it's because we're both just such big uh, Eastern Michigan fans, and you'll have to forgive us for that one.
0: It's a classic bowl matchup. We all grew up watching.
1: Yeah, I know. It just all the times you remember, uh, you know, those great pit teams with Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Darrell Rivas going against those Eastern Michigan teams with uh, guys who played at Eastern Michigan. On them, all yeah, those all great things. all my favorites. Uh, while we're talking about bowl games, there was one fairly relevant bowl game to this podcast, and that was the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, the Huskies won 38-7, sent Chris Peterson out on a high note. Uh, obviously, the thing that stuck out the most was the tremendous defense being plus three in turnovers for the game and being able to convert those turnovers into points. Uh, Rob, you want to talk a little bit about... Some of your highlights on the defensive end of that game, it was really, you know, quite a few to choose from as the game went on.
0: Yeah, so obviously a fantastic defensive performance from the Dogs. Um, three, they forced three turnovers, uh, including the uh, the near scoop and score at the very end, uh, one missed block. Uh, uh, Jackson Sermon was one missed block away from maybe taking that to the house, but I'm sure Coach Pete was somewhat grateful that he tripped uh <laughs> or got got, uh, got tripped up, I should say, just to keep the score a little more, less blowout-y, despite the fact that it was a bit of a blowout in the end. But yeah, uh, th- we uh, kept Boise State to 78 rushing yards. The pass defense did a fantastic job limiting the two Boise State quarterbacks to something like five yards per throw. Um, just an all-around fantastic defensive por- performance.
1: Yeah, you could tell pretty early on that Bachmeyer was a little overwhelmed in this game. He had missed several games with an injury. Uh, Boise brought him back for this one rather than sticking with Jalen Henderson from the start. Uh, it was early in the game when Bachmeyer had that play where he snuck his way out of two attempted sacks and then decided to throw it downfield into triple coverage, and Miles Bryant intercepted it. And that was kind of the start of the end for Bachmeyer. Overall, he, he averaged about four and a half yards per attempt through the two interceptions. Really poor decision-making. He's a true freshman. That kind of thing happens. And realistically, the Husky defense was probably, certainly in the secondary, the best defense he played this year. There were times this year when the defense didn't look that good. This wasn't one of them. This was a time when this looked like a vintage Pete Klikowski, Jimmy Lake, Chris Peterson defense at Washington where they forced turnovers. They made things really difficult with different looks. And there wasn't one weak spot that they, that you could pick on. And the run defense that was – kind of thrown to the Wolves all season long, looked really good. Uh, Some of that is personnel changes. Some of it is players just playing better. And as the game went on, it really – Boise just never got anything going. It was never really in doubt on that end. Uh, Other side of the ball, offensively, the Huskies didn't have an outstanding performance on the ground. By any means, only three and a half yards of carry on that end as well. Some of that was Eason getting sacked or or having negative yardage. Really, most of the offense came through the air – not huge plays. There weren't a ton of deep balls, but, uh, you know, it was enough to keep the chains moving. We kind of avoided the things that were so frustrating over the course of the year in terms of uh, drop passes in crucial situations or bad penalties. Terrell Bynum's continuing to look like he's going to be a very valuable long-term piece in the receiving game. We got to see uh, Spiker make a long catch. It was really just a- a pleasing to the eye all around on the offensive end uh, Anything else that stood out to you offensively is just I'm just glowing and saying this is a team we waited for all year and we finally got to see it, and at least we went out on a high note. Uh, If you have anything uh, that you saw that wasn't as uh, optimistic, I'm I'm all ears, but if you want to just continue genuflecting, then that's great too.
0: Yeah, you know, like you said, going out on a high note, the offense we have been waiting to see all year, let's just totally gloss over the fact that we ended up, I, I will say nicely, letting our offensive coordinator go at the end of the game. So a nice tip of the cap to Bush Hamden there, but thank you for your services, sir. Um, way to go out with some flair on, on a positive note. But no, uh, very genuinely, the offense did look great, or at, at least very good, against uh, what can otherwise be assumed and uh, just stated outright as a fact is a pretty mediocre uh, Boise State Broncos defense. But all that said, still a feel-good feel good win um, for Coach Pete and the team. I will say on the defensive side of the ball, my, like, one critique from this game is that, once again, the pass rush didn't really show up. You know, and there were some one-on-one battles. I know early in the game, like, Joe got a quick feature from the broadcast team uh, where he was just blowing uh, Boise State's, I think it was their right tackle, um, back off the line. But... Nobody got home. So, you know, kind of interesting, albeit not that it impacted the final score.
1: That's true. There there were a handful of times when we saw blitzes when we may not have seen them uh, in the past just because the Boise offensive line was holding up relatively well. And it seemed like they were trying to get the ball out quickly. Uh, they didn't have a big Uh, downfield presence in the game. I think their longest completion in the game was like 20 or 21 yards. So it wasn't like they were standing in the backfield uh, holding onto the ball for a really long time by design. Uh, But on the other side, in that same sense, uh, Jacob Eason showed a little bit better pocket presence than we have seen from him in some games. Uh, He actually avoided spinning backwards away from pressure and into more pressure into an interception. He stepped up in the pocket I think those were the things you were looking for. It's positive development. Uh, that combined with how well the output came together, I, I think you mentioned Bush Hamden. This is his last game as the Husky offensive coordinator. Probably wouldn't be if this team showed up this way more often. And in the same sense that this was not know, elite Boise State defense, we played worse games against inferior defenses over the course of the year. You know, Colorado sticks out. Stanford certainly wasn't. Uh, a great defense this year. And so the Huskies played a better game against an okay defense. And you take games like that off the slate, we're probably not even having this conversation about Hamden uh, transitioning into uh, best of luck in his future endeavors. But uh, as long as we're on the subject of guys moving on, we did get some additional uh, news since the bowl game. Uh, the, the biggest part of it, you know, all of it pertaining to players declaring for the draft, not declaring for the draft, The biggest one, obviously, Jacob Eason announced on Thursday, which is today when we're recording, that he will be entering the NFL draft. Uh, Lots of debate about whether he's ready or not for the draft, and we can talk about that. But I'm particularly interested in what that means for the 2020 version of the Husky football team. So give me your thoughts, Rob. What what do you think this means for the Huskies, and what do you think it means for Eason?
0: Well, I think kind of like you alluded to um, just a moment ago, the second everybody saw Eason actually avoid a sack with that little spin move, you know, that's all the NFL was looking for. That's all they needed to see. He's ready Just, the one, yeah. Yeah, He's just the one time. Yeah. He's oh, learned. He did it. He figured it yeah. out. Oh. I completely understand why Jacob Eason made this decision to go to the league. I don't know the kid personally, and I've never talked to him, but I spoke with two people who are kind of associated with this camp, and it sounded like he had been leaning this way for quite some time. He... Uh, was anticipating getting a good grade and reviews back from the NFL and thinks you know he could be a first or second round draft pick and just beyond that with the new offensive coordinator coming in it's kind of a mystery you know what things could be next year until he would wait around to see who that was and even then learning potentially another system and then you know what what could become of that next year it's Uh, so much of a mystery just just go get your money and ride the bench for you know maybe even hope you're a later first round draft pick and go to a team that's not awful doesn't need you right away ride the bench for a year or two you know be the scout quarterback going against a first team NFL uh, secondary in practice and that's that's a lot of good experience right there too so I I don't know it makes honestly it makes perfect sense to me as a Husky fan I'm You know, it was cool to see him come back for a year. Maybe his legacy is a little bit of a meh grade just because of the general outcome of the season. But no one can deny that the kid has just an absolute ton of at least arm talent. And, you know, hopefully he does well uh, at the next level.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with all that. I I don't blame him for going pro when he did. I'm always skeptical of the argument that somebody should come back for another year to improve his draft stock or to further develop, um, unless it's somebody who's at risk of going undrafted. If you're going to get drafted, especially in the first round to three rounds, I think that's what you need to do, like go go get the money when you can. You mentioned potentially being a later first-round draft pick. I think that's really, really helpful for players because you're falling into a better situation. Teams are drafting later for a reason. They have more talent, probably better coaching staff probably going to be better at developing him. I I don't think, for example, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, although I guess both those situations were teams trading up, but they were both quarterbacks going to better teams probably last year's and this year's NFL MVP. I don't think that would have happened if those teams got drafted by, you know, the Cleveland Browns or even the Arizona Cardinals, who are the the teams who picked quarterbacks first overall the last couple years partially because the, the the offensive lines those teams have and the systems that they have, they just don't have the same support structure uh, that somebody getting drafted later in the first round would have. And I don't think there's really – I mean, Ethan is who he's going to be a year from now as well. His arm's not going to get better over the next year. Like you said, he'd be learning a new system. I think some of the wish casting uh, that he would come back centered on this uh, alleged discussion he had with Peterson when he transferred that he intended to stay through his senior year, which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it's not something that would be enforceable anyway. And even if it was something that people believed in, once Peterson stepped aside, there was nothing left to that. I think the writing was on the wall at that point. There was very little incentive for Eason to come back to play for what's essentially a new offensive coaching staff. So I don't blame him for going. I think you're exactly right that if you're giving his – uh, season or his Husky career at that, a letter grade. It's probably something like a C or a C plus. It's a passing grade, but it's not an excelling grade. He he lost five games that in, in this era, uh, the Chris Peterson era. That's not a successful season. His numbers weren't bad, and certainly not all of that is his fault. He had receivers dropping passes. There were times when the offense just looked out of sync. The offensive line didn't play up to its ability for him. Lots of reasons for that. But there were offensive struggles the years before. I mean, Jake, or Jake Browning played his senior year with Bush Handon as the offensive coordinator and won the Pac-12 title. So, you know, I, I I would rather have Ethan back next year because I don't think we have the kind of depth and experience in the quarterback room that you would want, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. You, you, you don't uh, have a quarterback going pro because there are, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, young veterans behind him with a lot of experience and a lot of snaps in games. So that kind of leaves us now. There's three options as potential quarterback starters for next year. Uh, We could keep the Jake train rolling uh, with Jake Sermon. It could be Dylan Morris, the redshirt freshman, uh, who seemingly had the best fall camp of any of the underclass quarterbacks. Or it it could be the incoming freshman, uh, Ethan Garbers, who broke all kinds of records in – California high school football, just like Jake Browning did before him, uh, true freshman coming in next year, might have an uphill battle. What do you think, if, if we're handicapping this largely between Sermon and Morris, where would your money be going into next season?
0: So from everything I've heard, and again, not that not that I have been to practice and seen them play, but uh, talking to people who have been, it really does sound like Dylan Morris, um, at least at this point. You know, they still still uh, – spring spring ball and then i'm sure a decision will not be made until fall camp so a lot of things could happen but it does sound like dylan morris is the odds-on favorite at this point to win that starting job um he's of course a different style of quarterback than uh jake sermon i believe sermon measures in at like six five well dylan morris is more six foot six one but has uh, S- Sermon apparently has the strongest arm of the group, but Dylan Morris uh, also has a good arm and a little more mobility and potentially athleticism. Um, and then, yeah, it is kind of intriguing to see, knowing that uh, Ethan Garbers will be coming in the spring and with a new offensive coordinator, uh, all three quarterbacks will potentially be, you know, on the same level of learning that new offensive scheme and system. Um, so while the... I guess technically older guys will have a year or two more in the program and at the college level, uh, Garbers will have that advantage of of being on the same level for the new system as the other two. So, you know, maybe that puts them back into contention and gives them a legitimate uh, shot at the starting spot next next, uh, fall.
1: Yeah, that would be very interesting, and it matters – I guess in a lot of different ways, who ends up getting hired as the offensive coordinator. If it's somebody who runs a system fairly similar to what the Huskies have been running for the last few years, it would seemingly give the advantage to some degree to the quarterbacks who have played in that system. Sermon and Morris, Uh, if, You know, if it's something that leans a little heavier on pure arm strength and we're going to be exploring (laughs) the deep parts of the field more frequently than we have, uh, that would obviously give a little bit of an advantage to Sermon. Similarly, you've got Morris, who's a little bit more mobile, and if that's something that the coaching staff, the new offensive coaching staff, wants to emphasize, that would be to his benefit. Uh, And if it's something completely new, like you said, that might be helpful to Garbers because he wouldn't be uh, behind the more experienced quarterbacks. Uh, in learning the system because they, it would be new to them as well. So lots of interesting variables. It really depends heavily on uh, where we go next uh, in the coaching ranks. But we do have a few other bits of uh, stay or go news. Uh, we knew before that Hunter Bryant was out, which you know that's we got the chance to let that sink in now. But it really is too bad because he was such a fun player to watch, one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, put up great numbers for a tight end. Always left you wanting more, no matter how much they threw to him. I think everybody kind of wished that they would have thrown to him more. We found out today that Elijah Molden will be back for his senior year. And as important, maybe even more importantly, Levi Onzarike will be back, such a disruptive force on the defensive line, going to be really valuable uh, with all of the rest of the young uh Super athletic, gigantic defensive lineman uh, to work with him. Going to have a really good rotation there. Josiah Bronson was given a sixth year. It will be interesting to see if he stays at UW or goes to goes on to grad transfer somewhere where he can get more playing time. And we're still waiting on Savon Ahmed's uh, stay-or-go decision. Uh, if the Las Vegas Bowl was his last game, it was a good one. He ran for a couple touchdowns, made a really nice play, uh, turning the corner to get into the end zone on uh, just to beat a defensive back With his foot speed, if that's the last we see of him, he had also a very exciting Husky career. Uh, Any thoughts on the rest of the news we've had? And and what do you think uh, will ultimately be the decision for Ahmed? Um,
0: I'll I'll go through – I'll touch on Molden, Levi, Bronson, and Ahmed in that order. So uh, on Elijah Molden announcing that he was coming back, uh, that was extremely exciting news. He will be, hands down, the leader of the defense next year. The secondary, but the defense as a whole. Uh, what an exciting player. Um, you know, he was the MB- MVP for the Las Vegas Bowl. This is just a huge get um, and will bring a ton of starting experience and talent. Um, I think he was second team All-American for at least one service. Um, great guy to have back in the program uh, coming back for his, is this redshirt junior year, I believe? Um, or did he play as a true freshman? Do you know?
1: Uh, uh, I'll
0: have to check that. Yeah, it's his fourth I don't year. He'll be a fourth year. I know. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in addition to Molden, uh, the Levi on Wizzariki news was thrilling to me. Um, it seems like I hadn't talked about this much with people, but it kind of sounded like the general opinion was that he was gone after this year. So I don't know if that means that maybe he didn't get a great grade from the NFL or, you know, the coaches, Jimmy Lake made a great pitch for him to come back, um, like they did for Vitavea, you know, and give it one more year, be our, you know, future defensive tackle on the line. That's that's gonna be huge. He he is a monster. He's got great size. It's uh, it'll be great honestly to have a defensive lineman out of Texas getting, you know, being that featured defensive lineman for us uh, for recruiting purposes. He had a fantastic season, 45 tackles, six tackles for a loss, two sacks, one block to kick, uh, first-team all pack 12. Another really, really big get for the Dogs' defense, um, which should really take a step forward next year. Um, with those, the large number of players returning for the defense. And, you know, maybe that is a reason, too, why some of these guys are willing to come back, is they really believe that next year the defense could be that good again, as we've gotten used to. Uh, Bronson coming back, great additional depth. Um, Could be an interesting question of whether or not he loses playing time to some of the uh, younger four-star, former four-star defensive linemen who redshirted this year, who are coming up. But certainly, again, good size, solid athlete, local kid, which is always cool. So he'll help that defensive line depth and bring back a lot of playing experience. And then uh, the Ahmed decision. I think probably running back is one of the two, maybe three positions that I feel like it's really hard to knock a kid if he gets a chance to leave early to go play in the NFL often talked about, you know, um, how long can a running back play in the league? It's so hard on your body. A lot of those guys, you know, at the highest level are done by their late 20s. So if, if he gets the opportunity and he gets a shot, more power to him. Like you said, great Husky career. Would be stoked for him if, you know, he got drafted at a high spot or, you know, even a respectable spot in the draft. Getting drafted at all, pretty cool, I would say. Um and uh would hope that he would go on to do big things in the league.
1: Yeah, I think he he's the the criticisms and the praise for him are probably going to be pretty predictable. He's extremely fast. He's going to be fast no matter where he plays uh whether that's at UW or elsewhere. You alluded to the, the shelf life for a running back. He's probably somewhere in the middle of his physical prime right now and he might as well get paid for that if he can, even if it's on a second or third or fourth round uh rookie contract. He's not gonna make that money uh playing for free in college and he's not going to be he's not gonna grow into his physical prime. He's still gonna be a little bit of a straight line runner and the questions about him uh being able to run between the tackles were mostly answered this year. He was very good at it. He rushed for over a 1,000 yards. He was absolutely the team's feature running back. Uh, He missed a little bit of time, and the season-ending numbers still look like those of a feature running back. So I think whatever questions there are are already answered, and if he chooses to go pro, Godspeed. I've, I've had a great time watching him, and Huskies, frankly, are in pretty good shape in the running back room. Uh, really excited to watch Richard Newton. If he gets to play a little bit more next year, that's that's not a bad thing. Would prefer to have him and Ahmed in the running back room, but I'm not going to, uh, like you said, fault Ahmed for getting paid when he has the opportunity to to get paid. So let's take a break there. We've talked through several of the draft decisions for draft-eligible Huskies. We're going to come back on the other side of the break and talk a little bit about the coaching staff. That will obviously have an impact on who stays and who goes. And the offensive coordinator decision is going to have an impact that goes well beyond that. So we will be right back to talk a little bit about offensive coordinators and the coaching staff as a whole. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. We're going to wrap up the show today talking a little bit about offensive coordinators and the rest of the coaching staff. As everybody knows by now, the day after the Las Vegas Bowl, Bush Hamden uh, was politely shown the door. He did have one year left on uh, his coaching contract, so he is going to need to be replaced on the offensive coaching staff. Uh, There are two other coaching slots that still need to be filled as well, but those will probably be addressed in due time as the the higher level coaching positions get filled. The – Candidates we've heard uh, at least whispers about so far on the for offensive coordinator include uh, Mike Yersich from uh, the passing game coordinator at Ohio State, although it sounds increasingly like he's had his head turned by the Texas Longhorns to become their OC, uh, Brian Lindgren at Oregon State, uh, Chip Long, who was most recently the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame before they parted ways. Those are the known targets that I have heard about. Are you hearing anything else, Rob, or do you have any preferences within that group or even guys who haven't been mentioned so far?
0: Um, the only other two names I can think of are Mark Helfrich, uh, offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears and obviously former offensive coordinator and head coach of the Oregon Ducks. You can understand the connection there given that he has coached at a high level before, currently uh, leading a pretty pretty uh, explosive offense in Chicago and is very familiar with recruiting in the pacific northwest and the pac-12 and playing against teams in the pac-12 north and then the other one that you know i i don't know if i actually see this happening but would be kind of intriguing is talk of kellen moore offensive coordinator for the dallas cowboys and of course a former boise state quarterback who is from prowser washington out near yakima in the yakima valley I have actually seen a lot of criticism of him as a play caller for the Cowboys this year, but the Cowboys in general are a bit of a dumpster fire. Maybe a slight overstatement, but I don't think too much there. So that would be a, a, a you know, I'm sure they would be kicking the tires on that pretty thoroughly if that were to be a decision, but just an interesting name I heard pop up in the coaching search as well.
1: Yeah, I i, I guess the, you, if you think that if more were coming back to college, it would be because, the Cowboys are cleaning house. They're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet, as far as I know, but uh, it does seem like Jason Garrett's probably on his way out finally, although uh, Jerry Jones has made stranger decisions before with regard to keeping or getting rid of head coaches. But if they do, true. If they do decide to clean house uh, and Moore's looking for a job, it's hard to say whether there would be another offensive coordinator job at the NFL level available to him. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, he doesn't have a long track record and it's not a particularly good one that he does have since they're struggling to score points with a team that has Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And I guess Dak Prescott's good. I don't know. We could have a debate about that. I think he's pretty good. Anyway, um, that – Lindgren is an interesting name because he's also in that same coaching tree. I think there is some benefit. We talked before on a previous episode about how Lake coming into this head coaching role for the first time it might be – he's got a lot of acclimating to do to the job, and if he already knows the working style and uh, the, the attitude, just how to get along with his offensive coordinator so he can be a little bit more hands-off on the offensive side, it's going to make the rest of his job a lot easier. Uh, the names that you mentioned that he probably has some familiarity with, uh, at maybe at an arm's length with more, but certainly more closely with somebody like uh, Lindgren, who has that overlap with Johnson Smith. Uh, at Oregon State uh, and ties to the region and that might be a little bit easier, although I think given the option between hiring somebody from Ohio State, somebody from uh, Notre Dame, or somebody from Oregon State, most Husky fans are very understandably going to say, don't give me the Beaver guy, uh, but it, there's, there's an argument to be made for how he did more with less, and he, he made a very productive offense out of unheralded recruits. And if he has the same ability to elevate the talent from a higher baseline to a higher ceiling, that would be really good. I don't want to make this sound as if I'm campaigning for Lindgren because I I really don't know enough about him uh, as a play caller and, and individually, but I'm just looking at the one year at Oregon State, I'm not categorically opposed to the, to the idea of bringing someone who probably has a little bit of familiarity uh, with the style and with the program in to kind of ease that transition a little bit. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So I I think, you know, Long, we could talk about him a little bit. Notre Dame has been not the most exciting offensive team to watch the last couple of years, but also not bad. They were in the college football playoff uh, recently, and Long was the offensive coordinator for that team. Uh, They – disappointed a little bit this year, but it was mainly losing games to teams who are more talented than them. So you can't fault them there. Uh, and if he came in, he has a background. you coached uh, with Mike Norvell at Memphis before. Obviously Norvell has gone on to do great things. Does the fact that Memphis has been as successful as they have been after long left hurt his reputation? I, I don't know. I, but Norvell certainly has his own offensive philosophy and has ridden that to getting the job at Florida state uh, long, long, got another job out of that Memphis job and wasn't successful there. So maybe that's a mark against him. But ultimately I'm, I'm going to uh, wait to see the way that Jimmy Lake wants to do this and give some time to whoever gets hired. I was honestly uh, a couple weeks ago thinking that it was almost inevitable that Hamden would be back uh, because – going through a second transition along with the head coaching transition seemed like a lot, but obviously it didn't happen that way. So I'm just going to kind of sit back, kick my feet up, and and wait to see who's going to get hired and how it turns out. If you had to bet right now, uh, Rob, who do you think will be the offensive coordinator next year? Is it somebody who's on this list or is it somebody we haven't even heard about yet?
0: Wouldn't I be shocked at all if it's somebody we haven't even heard of yet? I would be intrigued to see if it was a guy like Long. You know, My understanding is, and full disclosure here, my cousin was a wide receiver for Notre Dame about a decade ago, and uh, my father-in-law and my fiancé's extended family are all huge Irish fans. That said, I'm not, but I'm familiar with the squad. And Long, his offenses did score an absolute crap ton of points the last few seasons. I think it was just two years ago he was up for assistant coach of the year, you know, he's had a lot of success, and from what I've read and heard uh, in the rumor mill, a lot of the issues he was having there were just personal issues, I guess, between him and Chip Kelly. Or, excuse me, not Chip right. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he's Chip.
1: Other guy's Kelly, so there is. it is Chip Kelly. It's just not. Yes, he's yes. Kelly. Chip
0: Kelly. Yes, exactly. There's exactly. a Chip and a Kelly. A Chip Kelly. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we speak the same language here. Um, but, yeah, so who, who knows? You know, maybe maybe if he and Jimmy Lake see eye-to-eye eye and, you know, can talk in person and have a lot of similar philosophies and what they're looking for, I, I could see somebody like Long actually being a pretty solid hire, although it would certainly be a little bit of a gamble given that it didn't no work out at Notre Dame. And maybe Husky fans are a little touchy about Notre Dame hires, but that was a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly don't think that uh, that that one has anything to do with the other. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> absolutely. Of but, I, you know, and if, if what you say is true and the reason he's left Notre Dame mm-hmm. is that he didn't get along with Brian Kelly, that might be a point in his favor because Brian Kelly seems like an absolute garbage human being. So uh, if he doesn't get along with him... What would give you that idea? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, the cartoon odor uh, graphics coming off of his head, he just looks like human garbage and yells at everyone all the time. Other than that, he's just a wonderful person other than just being terrible. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, it's the decision you want made relatively quickly, so you can start installing the offense before spring practice, uh, getting the uh, players who are coming back ready as much as possible, uh, familiar with a new uh, program and a new system. There's so a lot of change that's going to happen, and the sooner you can start doing it, the better. Uh, even in the recruiting, uh, on the recruiting front, having those extra voices there is going to be uh, very useful. Uh, So we'll see what happens, and we'll keep in touch with that, and we'll, I'm sure, be back to record when we do uh, find out who the offensive coordinator is to recklessly speculate about who's gonna, what that's going to look like and how it affects the rest of the team. But uh, before we wrap up completely, let's talk a little bit about our recommendations for the week, since uh, Rob and I don't have any comedy shows to plug. We will just do recommendations instead. I'm going to ask you, I put you on the spot because I didn't write this in our notes, but for a plug, give me the most interesting uh, Christmas gift or holiday gift that you gave or received this year as your recommendation.
0: Most interesting I received would be a very durable pair of shoes. I know that does not sound very sexy, but they're really nice shoes built perfectly for the Minnesota winter. And then, the most interesting one I gave would be, uh, I, I'm the proud on- owner of a corgi named Ted, and uh, I I totally caved on one of those Facebook ads targeted at me that was like, hey, we know you have a dog because the internet is creepy, and you should you know have this effectively Where's Waldo book of your dog made, and we can personalize it for that. My nieces love my dog. I thought it would be a perfect pairing, and I just got some videos today of them opening up their uh, their book, their present down in the Bay Area, and their reaction made it all worth it. They loved finding Ted. That's excellent. That's yeah. very fun. Right uh, uh, personalized question. gifts,
1: I'm going to stick with that, too. That This is uh, a little bit uh, corny, but I, I'll lean into it. Uh, there are so many great uh, personalized gifts uh, for young kids, for babies, and as I've mentioned before, I have a now just about 6 month old and so obviously so many of the gifts we got were related to that a couple of the highlights one i got from my sister a package of swim lessons for uh, infants so we're starting swim lessons on january 11th uh where i'm going to uh, go it's you know it's more like floating lessons so kids know how to get to the surface if they fall into water but it's hey, going to be really getting fun. And early. Yeah. yeah and and the other one is a uh, personalized book. This is actually not that different from what you just said, but it relates to a human, where uh, it you, it almost works like a Bitmoji, I guess. Where uh, my wife uploaded a picture of our daughter uh, into this whatever book generator, and it and picked a bunch of professions, and it's like a Dr. Seuss rhyming book about all the different professions she could have when she grows up, and it is so good. Uh, Yeah, I highly recommend finding that. I don't know what it's called, so it's not that great. But uh, if you can find something like that, I'm sure if you are uh, industrious with your uh, Google skills, you can find something like that. But if you have a a young kid in your family, either your own or a grandchild or a friend of a friend, this is one of those stories that I got to the end and I had to stop a little bit and catch myself because it was so, uh, like, touching and heartfelt that I uh, choked up a little bit the first time I read it. Almost as much as if we got Cody Pickett to join us on the podcast. And that's probably the time uh, to leave it for today. Rob, any last thoughts before we sign off?
0: Excited to see who the coach is. Uh, I'm sure we or you and Davy, or you and fill in the blank will talk about it next week on the show. Hopefully, by that point, we'll maybe we'll the have the new
1: is. Maybe we'll have the new offensive coordinator as our guest. You never know.
0: Maybe we'll have Cody Pickett as our guest. You never know.
1: Maybe Cody Pickett will be the new offensive coordinator. I think we solved it. All right, job's done.